Welcome to this very special bonus episode. Um, I was super honored this week to get an opportunity to uh, be invited to present at a storytelling event called Vinyl Voices at the Coronado Cafe in Phoenix. Um, The wonderful host of that event asked if I would tell a story. And so the way Vinyl Voices works is that you tell a story and then you play a song. Um, And I I had such a blast doing it. We recorded it so that we could release it to you all as a special episode. You know, one of the things that as I was there uh, recording, as Sam was telling his story and just supporting my friend, what I was reminded of while listening to Sam was just the importance of trans stories told by trans people. Um, you know, the watching the audience sort of receiving his story um, at face value and then the moment where they realize that, you know, Sam is telling the story as a trans person um, was just this amazing moment that... You know, for me, I can always, when I tell those kinds of stories, when I see other trans people tell those stories, I see something change in the audience, um, even in that moment, just as they're listening to your story because they're bought in, you know, they're in that moment with you. And then when they realize that you as a trans person, you're not just telling the story, but you're telling the story about being a trans person, um, it challenges all of their assumptions, their stereotypes, um, and ideas that they've had about trans people. And suddenly they see you as a person first. Um, and it just invites people into, I think the movement for trans rights, um, and into being a trans ally in ways that, uh, statistics and, um, you know, evidence and that sort of thing, those sort of quantitative evidence, um, just don't get to the heart of it. You know, those are important. Absolutely. But it's those stories that really make our struggle real uh, and make our lives real. Yeah. So it was a, it was a blast to tell the story. Um, the story, the song that I utilized as my backdrop, uh, we did not pay that artist <laughs> to use that song in terms of royalties. And so we're going to do just a brief snippet at the end. Uh, but you can go and listen to that song in the link in the show notes, if you'd like to do that. Um, so hope you enjoy. Let me tell you a story. Uh, so our next guest uh, is a really awesome person. He's the uh, project coordinator for Bridging Success, uh, which is a program at the Maricopa Community Colleges working with youth who are uh, transitioning uh, from foster care, um, which is really awesome. And He's also a parent and the host of the Transform podcast, which explores the stories and experiences of trans folks. I'm really excited to have him. Give a warm welcome to Sam Garman. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to use this stand because it uh, feels really exciting to use this mic stand uh, for some reason. (laughs) So I'm going to tell you a little story about how I became a dad. And no, it's not what you're thinking. <laughs> it's not that kind of story. Okay? Like, mine's out of the gutters. All right, folks? Uh, so I'm going to tell you, when I was growing up, uh, my dad and I were, like, attached at the hip. We did everything together. So, and my dad seemed to always be doing some sort of a project, and so I would go everywhere with him. So we would go to Ace Hardware, and we would go to the sprinkler store to replace the sprinklers, and we would go to the car parts store, and we would do all of the things together. And in fact, there was this amazing uh, local hardware store called Ollie's, and they had orange 
um, aprons. And my dad and my grandpa both had orange aprons, and they got me one, and it was so much too big for me. It would, like, drag on the ground, but I just refused to take it off because I was going to be like my dad and my grandpa. And so we were super tight. And so in all of these car trips, we would spend our time listening to the classics. And so in listening to the classics, my dad would tell me all about the things he loved about them. You know, oh, Cream is these guys, and here's why they called themselves Cream, and all these things. And so we listened to all the classics, and he played this game that he liked to call Who Is It? And I never knew who it was. He'd be like, who's this artist? And I realized that I never knew who it was, and so I created a workaround, which was that I would just say Elvis to everything. And he was not a fan of Elvis, and so then he would just get really irritated, so it was a really great double whammy like I'm like yeah I'm working your system Elvis uh, but I remember the song that I'm playing I remember it really vividly one day it came on it's Kenny Loggins Return to Pooh Corner and I remember as a kid thinking is this a grown up person singing about Winnie the Pooh what is going on and so I was super engaged in the song because there was something about it that really spoke to me. And so as I'm sitting and listening to this song, it was maybe the first time I really thought of myself what it might look like for me to be a parent. And so what happened for me is that I really internalized this song about, you know, Return to Pooh Corner and this like really whimsical, quiet tones, melodic, sleeping child like thing. And I was like, this is what I am going to be like as a parent. And it turns out that I was not prepared for what parenting is actually like, which is waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning with a very, very loud child who just wants to scream at me about Paw Patrol. And I'm like, listen, the ear holes, they don't work right now. If we could just lower the volume. And so I wasn't prepared for parenting in any way, but I was especially not prepared for how parenting would feel. So I had this idea about how parenting would feel, like the sleeping child, and I would look at him tenderly. And it would be really beautiful. And it didn't feel like that. See, my wife and I at the time, we had thought about what we were going to do in terms of parenting. It was a foregone conclusion we were going to be parents. We'd been married for about two years. But the question was like how and when and sort of all of that like logistics stuff. And so we eventually settled on foster to adopt. And that is how the most adorable two little boys came storming into our lives and they storm because they don't move slowly or quietly in it at any time. So they come storming into our lives at 14 months and four months and I am in love with them. They are perfect. And I'm terrified and super overwhelmed and not ready to be a parent because nobody ever is, but I'm totally in love with them. But it doesn't feel like the song. In fact, it sort of feels like if you have a coat and the coat is really, really itchy and it's also several sizes too small. So it's kind of like, why does this itch so much? And, and I couldn't quite figure out what it was and I eventually put my finger on it. It's that they were calling me mommy. And that might seem a little surprising looking at me now. But the reality is that I was assigned female at birth. And so what you see now is a result of two years of transition. But before I started transition, they called me mommy. And every time they called me mommy, it felt wrong. At first, it felt kind of like being poked with a stick. And that's kind of annoying, but you can deal with it. And then it was like being stung by a bee. And that's not really super cool, but it's like, I mean, you can live through that. And then it felt like being punched and something needed to change. 
And so I came out and I told them, listen, I will always be your parent. I will always love you. You're just going to call me daddy now, but nothing between us will change. And I could not have been prepared for how wrong I was. Because the reality was that everything between us changed. Because suddenly I was being authentic about who I was. And I was able to be honest about who I was and what I was feeling. And when they called me daddy, that actually felt real. And I was able to be available to them in a way that I had never been available to them before. And I was able to be available to me in a way that I had never been available to me before. And suddenly the the coat fit and it started to feel more like the song. And it never felt more like the song than the day that my middle son walked into the bathroom while I was shaving my face. And I set him up on the counter and he started talking to me about how one day he would shave his face too. And what would that be like? And why did I use the shaving cream? And why was that razor so sharp? And he's asking me these hundreds of questions and pestering me. And I kept thinking back to those moments when I would sit in the car with my dad and pester him with all of these questions. And I realized that it finally felt like the song. Thank you. For this week's ally moment, uh, Sam and I thought it would be timely to talk about ways that, as an ally, you can take some actions, um, especially when uh, during world during weeks like this, when the world feels like it's a dumpster fire, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> uh, where there are lots of opportunities to ally for many different communities and uh, people. Um, so we just want to touch on a couple of ways that you can actually actively engage right now um, in the process um, and that you can continue to actively engage because there, I don't think in the next few years, will be any shortage of urgency or need uh, for all of us to step up as allies and engage in really significant social, economic, and political issues. Yeah, so, I mean, this in this week we're recording, if you're listening to it in this week, but um, this is the week that Justice Kennedy announced his retirement, uh, which is a major blow um, as the you know potential swing vote on the court. Uh, and so we're losing someone who has decided some things uh, for progressive folks and for marginalized communities that have been really powerful. Uh, and so that can feel really overwhelming and really um, distressing. Um, and I think... You know, obviously on this podcast, we focus quite a bit on issues that impact the trans community. And the reality is that there are trans people of literally every color living in every country, um, having every kind of experience. And so issues that affect immigrants affect trans people, issues that affect black people affect trans people, issues that affect queer people affect trans people, um, poor people, uh, you know, any kind of marginalized community, um, those issues affect trans people. And so we really have an opportunity to be allies, recognizing that it affects us, but it also affects a much broader group of people. Right. Um, and just on sort of a note of hope, I know it's it's challenging in weeks like this and under this administration to find um, a little bit of hope. But um, as Sam and I were discussing before we started recording, you know, these we have faced obstacles and challenges like this in the past. Uh, you know, the Supreme Court upheld slavery, upheld 
any number of horrendous human rights violations um, and awful practices and laws. Um, and we have been able to undo that in the past uh, because we work together as community. And the more that we work through these intersections um, of movements and identities, um, the faster we'll be able to uh, move our country back toward a path of justice or onto a path of justice um, and equity and away from uh, where we're going right now. So, um, again, on another hopeful note, you know, I think um, the election of Alexandria, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez mm -hmm. in uh, the Bronx and Queens this week to Congress, 28-year-old amazing woman um, who ran on abolishing ICE, <laughs> right, yeah. and ran on queer rights and uh, basically just ran on an incredibly progressive platform. Um, she was able to do that because people voted for her and supported her. And so you contacting your elected officials, be they Democrats or Republicans, and telling them that you believe in more progressive politics, that you want them to vote specific ways, um, may be able to swing them. You know, they are people vote according to how they think their constituents uh, want them to vote in some respects, how in the respect that they think it will get them reelected. So the more vocal we are as progressive people, we have the ability to shift politics. Um, so please contact your elected officials. Um, be vocal about uh, what you think about different public policy. Um, and uh, don't be afraid to try to influence those who are already elected and, of course, work for uh, to get people elected who are uh, progressive in their principles and values and will represent you that way uh, in Congress, in your state legislature, at any level of government. Yeah, I think this current administration is counting on our despair leading to inaction. Yep. Um, it's been pretty obvious that that is uh, what they hope that we will do is that just like we'll be really sad and hopeless and lay down. Um, and we can't do that. We can't afford to do that. Um, and we like we have an opportunity to build an America that meets the principles of this like idea of what America could be. We've never been that before, but we could build it exactly. if we all work together to do so. And so um, I take a lot of, um, I take a lot of heart from John Lewis, the <laughs> congressman who was, who marched with Martin Luther King Jr. And has been a staunch civil rights advocate. Um, he, he tweeted a day ago, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never, ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all for some good trouble. Um, and I am going to throw sand in the gears of this democracy and make it hard for them to do the things that they want to do to us. And I'm going to make sure that they know that I'm watching them um, and can see what they're doing. I think a lot of this, a lot of their work depends on our inaction and our not paying attention. And so yeah. we need to be clear that we're paying attention. And so to that end, there are some ways that you can get engaged with your senators and congresspeople and state senators and state congresspeople and governors and Literally at every level, yep. they work for us yep. and we can give them feedback. And so we have some suggestions for ways that you can connect with them. 
yeah, it's actually easier than ever to connect with your elected officials at pretty much any level. Um, you can download on your phone um, apps like Countable, uh, like We the People, uh, like ResistBot. Um, all of those apps will allow you to contact your elected officials and elected officials that aren't yours as well <laughs> um, to send a message about what you, um, what policy you support, how you believe they should vote and want them to vote as representatives of um, your city, your state, your district. Um, you know, representative democracy, if it is working, um, it means it represents um, the common good in, in your place, right? That is actually the job of an elected official is to uh, vote for, to work for the common good as defined by their constituents. And the only way that they can do that is if you are vocal about the world and country that you want to see created. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the other thing you can do is... Um, you know, if your whatever social media platform that you, you whatever social media platforms that you utilize, um, follow people on there who are engaged in doing the work that you really care about. So, like, I follow John Lewis. I follow a ton of Black Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. I get a ton of information about the work that needs to happen, um, and I can then engage with that work with that community as an ally and as a as a supporter recognizing that the only way forward is really for us all to be working together and a rising tide raises all boats and so as much as we can get engaged in working towards the same thing in the same direction we will have better results because the more of us are doing it the the be- the more they can hear us absolutely um and then also on the thirtieth this Saturday, um, there is there are events the keep families to the families belong together events, mm-hmm. uh, which you can find. We'll put a link in the show notes to what's going on yeah. um, at that website. Yep, absolutely. And I think on the second. There's also uh, sort of a national day of action at the different deportation centers. Um, so I'll actually be going to the one in San Diego. Um, so I'll be there on Monday, um, and I'll uh, we'll find a way to tell you about it. So fantastic. So keep resisting, everyone. Um, we will we will overcome. Um, it has been bad before, and we cannot despair. We will keep acting. <laughs>